Listener Production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Here we are with another episode of The Wellness Collective and we are talking with Dr. Maritza Snyder all about perimenopause and menopause. We talked to her about how your 40s is your most important years leading up to that period of time, why messing with your hormones when you're in transition with synthetic hormones might be the worst time to do that. We talk about reproductive longevity, how lifestyle fast forwards perimenopause, how to decide that your menopause, oh, sorry, how to own it and decide exactly what your menopause will look like and how to get instant wins. Go ahead and enjoy this next episode of The Wellness Collective. Hello, Natalie. Cecilia. How are you going? Oh, I'm okay. How are you? I had to, <laughs> to think, think about, about it. For a second. You have to think I have about been it. going on meetings this morning since 7 o'clock, so I kind of feel like it's lunchtime. Even though it's 10 past 10. <laughs> but whoever's listening to this is now confused because it's probably 7 o'clock at night. Doesn't matter. Time is of no importance today. Well, actually, oh. is it or isn't it? Well, actually, it is because <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, body clock ticking. We're talking about perimenopause and menopause, which is a question I get asked a lot about. But I also mm-hmm. feel like until I'm at a point in my life where I'm experience, experience, oh my gosh, let's go again. Until I'm at a point in my life when I am actually experiencing these symptoms or these changes or shifts, it's not as easy. So like, I don't know, when I was treating <laughs> pregnant women, for example, until I was pregnant myself, I had no idea that it probably wasn't comfortable to kind of get the pregnant women to just jump up on the table. Like, it wasn't until I was pregnant that I was able to go, oh, that's Oh my God, I do easy. think this is a funny thing about you. I like that you have these moments where you go, I haven't had this, I haven't done this before. Hang on, I'm doing it. Now yeah. I see now where I the uh, problem lies. Oh. Yes, well, we are talking about menopause and perimenopause. And, and actually when I think about menopause, it's like this kind of grey cloud that sits on your timeline. That's what I feel like. Like it's just sitting there waiting for me, that grey cloud. I don't know when it's going to come and rain down on me. <laughs> and the weird thing about menopause is you kind of, call it that once it's happened. So while it's happening, you don't really, you know, perimenopause is the thing. But what do you like rock up to your doctor one day and you get a certificate that says you have completed menopause? Like it's really <laughs> weird. There's so many questions about right, it. We found right. someone well, to help us a bit with it. We did, but we, I just want to quiz you on something first. All right, go on. Do you know what age you start to transition through perimenopause? Well, it's different for everybody, isn't it? 35. 35 is the age that we say that that's the next phase. Right. So most women freak out because when they hear that, they go, I am not menopausal. No, you're not menopausal. You might have 20 years in perimenopause, but we talk oh, about perimenopause as if it's when we start to see symptoms. Anyway, let, let's uh, <laughs> let's just cut to the chase. Um, uh, my beautiful friend, Dr. Marisa Snyder, welcome to the Wellness Collective. How are you? I am wonderful. You ladies look gorgeous. I am so happy to be here today. Rita, we're really happy to have you. Very glad to have you. For our listeners that may not have encountered your work before, do you want to let them know who you are? 
Besides mm-hmm. your name. <laughs> what Besides do you do? Name. <laughs> that you know now. Um, I am a women's hormone practitioner. I am a podcaster like you two lovely ladies right here. Um, my podcast focuses on hormone literacy because I think we deserve to know what is going on with our bodies so that when we're in perimenopause, we know we're in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we know how to pivot through it. And then I am also the author of eight books, including I think one of the ones we're going to be talking about today. And I am a new mama at the age of 41 to a six month old named Kingston. Oh, I love the name. Yes. Cute. It's also the name of a biscuit in Australia. Did you know that? Oh, is it? No. And they're really good. He is edible like a biscuit. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. They're not whole food, but they're very tasty. Full of sugar. Um, (laughs) He is also very tasty. I'm sure. Oh, these little toes. So, Oh, I eat them every day. So we're talking about menopause and and perimenopause. I can't talk today. Um, You've written your latest book around this. Why Mm -hmm. did you feel the need to write a book around this? Yeah. I, like you, I get a lot of questions, but where I really knew I needed to tackle this, this really big transition in our lives. Nat, you said 20 years and you think about the 20 years that we are navigating perimenopause and menopause. Those are some of the biggest years of our life. Those are some of this. That's when we're doing some of the biggest stuff in our life as women. And that's when we're handling the biggest business. And so I always think it's a great idea to kind of know what's going to happen to our bodies when we're also navigating big stuff. My mom had a horrific time going through perimenopause and into menopause. And it was around 48, 49 that her hot flashes got so bad that she finally went to a practitioner who she thought was holistic. They were like, we're not going to run your labs. You don't need any of that stuff. I'm just going to give you a synthetic estrogen patch and send her on her way. And she was on that, felt good for about a week. And then it just spiraled out of control for her. And she ultimately ended up in a really severe depression. Uh, Finally calls me at like midnight one night And she's like, I'm so scared right now. She was finding herself having suicidal thoughts. Mm. So she went from go, go, like just, just superwoman. you know, that is who who she always was to me to all of a sudden a woman who like had no fear to like scared about her own thoughts. And I was like, well, what, what's going on? Like what's happening and kind of told me what was going on. And I took over her care and helped her navigate um, that, that, that kind of the most tumultuous part And I remember her stepping into, she turned 50, new energy, new body, new everything, revamped, new person. And she decided that she was going to reclaim 50, all of her fifties. She's like, I'm going to redo this. I'm going to, this is not my mama's menopause. This is even my best friend's menopause. This is, I'm going to do this with hair extensions, eyelashes, lips, skinny jeans, mini skirts, all the things. I'm going to do tennis. I'm going to compete. I'm going to run marathons, which she ran 75 plus. And she looked, I swear to goodness, she looked, I was, I had a podcast where I was like, move over JLo because this woman's coming through. And she turned 60 um, last October and ran a marathon on her birthday and um, just, you know, just did it with so much ease and grace and really sauntered into her Mm fifties, taking like kicking ass, taking names later and looks gorgeous doing it. And I just thought, you know what? It's that mindset shift in those pivots that we really get to own and we get to make it whatever we want to make it. And I just wanted to be able to speak into that for so many women as they navigate their thirties, forties and beyond. Um, And that's why I wrote the book. 
I love it. Um, I think it's really interesting too because there there is this kind of idea that you're you have the symptoms and you have to take HRT. There's no um, black or white in in some people's minds. And I guess trying to um, scratch the surface of that because it doesn't suit everybody, like you say. Um, and to just accept that as the way to get through it. And I'm sure it does work for a lot of people like, you know, synthetic hormones do work for some people. They never did for me. I was like a psycho. So the idea I'm with your mom, I think after a week, I'd just be like, get me out of here. Um, so what can you do if you feel like that's the only option you've got that you've been given the option for HRT? What else can you do? There's a lot that we can do. And yeah, you know, I think about, you know, you talk about birth control on this show and how birth control doesn't always work out for people as well. I think 50% of women who get on birth control are off of it within a year because the symptoms are so severe. It's just not worth it. They're like, I will figure out another way Mm. to not get pregnant. But let's be honest, most women aren't even getting on birth control to not get pregnant. They're, you know, their doctor told them some other crazy things. So I think hormone replacement therapy, and anytime we're messing with our hormones, especially Mm. when they're in transition, it can, it can get a little messy. And there's a lot that we've got in our back pocket. We've got, we have beautiful self-care. We've got a lot of us are nutrient deficient Food is a major player here. Um, and then also, you know, really getting clarity on, on what you love and what you don't love. I think at this point in our life, there's a lot of things that we're doing that we do not love and that are not serving us. I, a big, just getting rid of that, yeah. you know, is going to be huge in helping to support our hormones and, and really helping to manage and support the stress response system. I think that's another reason why we get here is that we are, we don't even realize that we are stressaholics or that we are triggering up that stress response system. I don't know, dozens of times a day and we're just wearing ourselves out. And so it's not so, I don't think so much that it's the decrease in progesterone and estrogen that are the biggest players here. I think there's other hormones that are playing a massive role that, that kind of estrogen and progesterone are having to kind of tag along with. Mm. Um, Clearly as they decrease, if you've already got other stuff going on, they amplify those issues. But a, there's a lot of women who, you know, when they, if they can set themselves up for success and they can really have those foundational pieces, you'll notice some things that happen into perimenopause and menopause, like clearly the luteal phase of your cycle is going to shorten significantly. You're going to notice your periods are going to be inconsistent. Like there, those are, the, that's definitely going to happen. Your ovaries are bowing out they're going to tell you about it. You know what I'm saying? But the, but the massive brain fog, the anxiety and depression, the, the belly weight, the weight resistance, you know, all of that, the inconsistent sleep, the exhaustion and fatigue. I think that has a lot to do with other lifestyles issues than it does with just the drop in progesterone and estrogen. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I would love to hear your opinion on this, but I really noticed that for my patients, their symptoms are pretty much in direct proportion to their stress levels. And mm-hmm. I had a patient not too long ago who um, was perimenopausal. We did some blood tests. She wanted to confirm that. I mean, I, we could tell her that, but she needed <laughs> she needed the numbers on the paper, right? Yeah. And that's fine. Girl, if you're asking, you're in it. Right. That's what right. I found to be true. Well, listen to this. This is fascinating, right? So very highly stressful phase of her life. Um, had to support a loved one through chemotherapy. It was very stressful in the middle of COVID, can't travel. Every time you need to go somewhere, you have to quarantine, blah, blah, blah. So you can un- understand yeah, that lots of factors. her cortisol and her adrenals were just in overdrive. Um, she went to her doctor maybe six months later 
uh, which would have been, let's say, February, and got her t- hormones tested. And he's like, you're in menopause. You're actually trans. And she hadn't had a period for quite a while. And then now on the other side of all of that, I was consulting with her the other day and she said, I had my bloods run again and my FSH is normal and I'm back in perimenopause. And I said, well, isn't that fascinating? Well, because she's now not in that highly stressed situation. (laughs) So, you know, you've got to understand that your circumstances and environment can actually speed things up. But if we can... If we can pull in the right resources around us, we can slow it down, if not yes. reverse it, um, which yes. is good but bad if you're wanting to just go, let's just get this over and done with already. But yeah, yeah I mean, if ready, I thought I was in menopause and I pulled it back, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. this yeah. something. I, uh-uh. um, but yes, reproductive longevity is real mm. and we absolutely can have it. The most of us, though, are going in the other direction. Mm. And that's why I think we're seeing symptoms of perimenopause as early as 35, sometimes earlier for women. Um, it's because I think lifestyle is what brings it on. I know it brought it on for me. 35 years old hit me like a Mack truck. I had really? severe chronic fatigue, migraines, bloating, horrible PMS symptoms. I mean, the gamut. And I was because I was in, I was in overdrive 24 seven. Like I just drove myself into the ground and it's no wonder all of my hormones crashed, you know, as a result of it. And so I, I felt the effects, like I had every, I had almost every symptom of perimenopause on the books. And then I, I feel like I did a great job of reversing it, reversing a lot of that symptomology one, because being 35 years old and having those symptoms has a lot more life to live that I wasn't trying to feel like that. And also I, I always imagined that I'd have a child and it wasn't looking good for me. <laughs> If I continued at that rate. And so I do believe that, and I know that there's a lot of great research that's coming out right now on women extending their reproductive longevity, you know, into their late, mid to late forties. I know not everyone's trying to do that. It's particularly around maybe not having a baby at 48 years old, but to extend the longevity of our cells within our endocrine system. I think that's amazing. Mm, that idea. Yeah. I did see that research that came out not that long ago that talked about uh, increasing protein and fats and the outcomes of that for women and egg quality. And that for women that did that for just 12 weeks or men, I think they tested in as well with sperm health. It, um, it, it improved their age by three years after wow. just 12 weeks. So it doesn't take a lot to make some shifts, but for some reason, we see these stages as a permanent fixture. And that's fine. Like you said, Maritza, if you want to be transitioning through those phases and get it kind of over and done with, (laughs) but you don't want to do that with a whole bunch of symptoms. So I don't know. I'd like to hear what you think, but I find that women's symptoms are, and their, their transition through menopause takes so much longer because of the perpetual state of stress and the fact that, like you said before, the ovaries aren't able to hand over the job. Exactly. No, they're definitely not able to hand over the job. Yeah, I think it absolutely is related to the amount of stress that we're dealing with and the amount of not, not. I mean, I think stress has, a, it's a huge root cause. It's it's causing gut issues. It's causing insulin resistance. It's causing brain fog. It's, it's causing all kinds of problems. And so I think it's one of the big ones that I see. I know that when women are struggling with gut issues, dealing with nutrient deficiencies, not getting enough sleep. And honestly, I, I'll be... I burned myself out with sleep, you know, back in the day. And now I know what it's like to actually have real sleep deprivation. I had never known, 
like Before not getting baby. sleep. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like this is another level. I, I've never, I have felt like a crackhead most days surviving on caffeine, just trying to get through it. Um, and I was like, oh my, this is a different level of burnout than I've ever known before. Mm. I know it's a temporary state and I'm, I'm finally, we're, we're coming onto the other side of it. Um, but I can, but I, I'm like, now I get it. Now I get what no sleep feels like, how that has a profound impact on the rest of your body and your ability to function or, or not function at all. And so a lot of these, these areas where we are, you know, borrowing, um, you know, borrowing from someone to pay someone else, you know, we're, we're borrowing against sleep. We're borrowing against, um, our nutrients. We're borrowing against, um, firing off our stress response system for the sake of obligation or for the sake of taking care of family or for the sake of career or whatever, for whatever we've decided is a bigger priority than us. Mm. Cause everyone and everything is more important than we are. Um, and so, we keep, we keep borrowing against that. It's our hormones are going to be the first thing that really caves yeah. because they are so sensitive and they're responding. I always say your hormones are never sabotaging you. They are doing the best that they can with what they got in the time that they're in it. And so often they got nothing to work with. They're, they're like, we're, we got nothing here. We're trying to do the best we can with nothing. And we don't have the right nutrients. You all that's depleted. I, you don't got good gut health here. You're exhausted. Your brain don't function. Like your hormones are like, I don't even know how to build yeah. from this place. And so that's what I see the most. And that's what I've personally have experienced myself. You know, my poor body. It was like, Marisa, could you give me something to work with over here? And I'm like, no, I I've, I got this meeting. I got these meetings to go to. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no time. So. The thing with the symptoms, like at 35, the symptoms that you describe, it's really hard to pinpoint whether that's a perimenopause thing or whether it's just life, like you say. And then if you have had children, like, you you know, you've got tiny babies or toddlers and tiny babies and all that stuff, which a lot of people, a lot of women in their mid-30s do find themselves in that situation these days. You know, that's exhausting in itself. So how do you take that moment to to sit back and go, okay, what are these actual symptoms? Is it because I'm just sleep deprived or is that sleep deprivation leading to my body going through perimenopause? Like, is it that straightforward? It is that straightforward. It is, you are depleted, you are sleep deprived, you are not well nourished, you are struggling, you are not taking care of you. There is no self-care on your horizon. Your hormones are responding to that lifestyle. Mm. That That's what it is. And so we will, we can go into, we can start triggering the ovaries. We can start triggering our endocrine system to start kind of fast forwarding us moving in that direction due to lifestyle. And, and I think for many of us, at least in the modern day world, you know, I call it the modern American lifestyle, but we call it the modern Australian lifestyle. We call it the modern <laughs> European lifestyle. Um, it's we, the lifestyle that we are living. Um, it, it is just, it's just escorting us there mm. in, in that kind of timeline. And so what it can look like between 35 and 40, is maybe PMS is a little bit more severe. Like you're noticing maybe all of a sudden those workouts you did, those hit training workouts, they're not, you're, you're feeling depleted afterwards. Um, maybe you're finding you're, you're waking up, not, not with as much energy as you had, or you're hitting that 3 PM slump much more frequently than you used to. And also you are noticing weight isn't coming off like it used to mm -hmm. like those. I would say that those 
and they're minor and, and it's easy to blow off. It's easy to be like, eh, whatever, well, you know. it's easy to just then, think that that's part of aging, isn't it? Which oh, I yeah, guess absolutely. Sort of, it is part of aging, but being aware of it, you can try and assist your body to get through it is what you're saying. Yeah. Or pivot and make some really amazing changes. And then I would say that's like phase one of perimenopause. Then phase two around 42, 43, I hear, you know, and I'm, I'm heading in that direction and without the any pivots or shifts or changes, 42, 43, you start to notice your cycle is declining a little bit. Like you're now your 28 day cycle is now 26 and you'll notice, you know, all of a sudden, maybe a little bit more anxiousness, or maybe definitely you're feeling the weight resistance, like the symptoms that kind of felt like they were in the background are just really right there, right in front of you. And you're like, huh, is this, is this perimenopause? Like that's when you're starting to ask your friends and your people, like <laughs> what the heck is going on? Like maybe you're having a couple of night sweats, but not consistently, you know, but you've had one after like a binge night of drinking wine, you have a night sweat that night and you're like, what the What's that? And so, and then I, the proverbial, everything hit the fan moment is like 47, 48, 49. Like you're in it. You're in the eye of the storm. And then phase four is you're in the waiting room where you're just like, is this, is this minimal? Is this where I get is my this? certificate? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, my period came back after four months. No certificate. Like, so, you can... <laughs> so close, but not close enough. Mm-hmm. And so the, I would say those are the kind of the, the four proverbial phases of what perimenopause goes into. And then menopause, how I define it is once you're there, you're there. You're just there. That's the, that's, that's how you're going to be operating for the rest of your time. But some women like that defining moment, which who knows when that is exactly, there's no way of determining exactly when that is all of a sudden, maybe last November was the last time you had a cycle and now you're at November and you're like, is this it? Is this, am I finally here? And then you could call that post-menopause. I don't necessarily like post-menopause because it just makes, it just feels older. It does. You know, like, it's like one more thing to tack on. Hmm. I don't need it. I don't need that in my life. (laughs) I don't need that tag. It also, to me, I have this vision of once you get your menopause certificate, like your bones just start to break down. Like, you know, (laughs) so my next question is like, your mom's a great example. How do you then live the rest of your life as a strong, healthy woman with great bones and great skin and all the, all the stuff that your estrogen and your other hormones, because I'm not the hormone expert, um, we're doing, you know, throughout your fertile years. How do we continue to be amazing? Absolutely. I think number one, you decide. That is the first step. That's what JLo did. She decided <laughs> that she was going to jump on that pole at the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? She decided that she was going to fit. She was going to show off her little abs. You know, it's a decision. You just got to decide, you know what? Like it, it's going to look different for me. I'm going to, and I'm in, in as, as early as we can have, if anyone's hearing this conversation at 35 or 40, you get to decide right now how it gets to look for you. Um, at every single phase that you go through, that's, I think that's that first step is you're like, I am going to saunter through this transition. I'm going to do it with ease and grace. I'm going to, I'm going to look good doing it. I'm going to feel good doing it. I'm going to have the metabolism of a 25 year old doing it because that's how I want to do it. And I think women get to have that. Yes. Progesterone is a stress protective hormone. Yes. Estrogen is an insulin protective hormone and a, and neuroprotective hormone and a heart protective hormone that they are very protective. However, I, I absolutely believe that we can, we can, we can create the foundation 
that allows for those protections too, even though we start to slowly lose those hormones and, you know, our adrenals take on a little bit of that grunt work afterwards, not, not a lot, you know, it's enough to kind of get by, but I I absolutely believe that with the right nutrition, supplementation, self-care to sleep, like we, if we can make the pivots as we go, knowing that your body's going to change, knowing that your body at 45, the changes that are happening is not your body at 30. Um, and, but being okay with that and saying to yourself, Hey, I get it. My body at 45 is a different body. And I know that I have to operate differently at this age, but these are my values. This is what matters to me. Energy matters to me. Showing up to do the stuff I love matters to me. Feeling good in the morning matters to me. If those are the things that matter to you, well, then you make the pivots. And yes, there's a, there's some things we're going to have to give away. You could, things are going to have to, we're going to trade things in. You're going to trade in, trade in those two glasses of wine uh, every night. And you're going to trade that in for energy and brain function in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just things that I've decided, like that doesn't serve me anymore. That doesn't serve me. Um, burning the candle in both ends. doesn't serve me drinking wine, you know, in the night doesn't serve me eating a bunch of sugar during the day. That don't serve me. And like, I've decided to, to swap those for the things that are going to, they're going to have me feeling amazing most days of the week. That's what I've, that's what I think the trade-off is. And so we just have to be okay with the trade-off. And I, there's so many side benefits when we decide to do so. Love it. Yeah. I think a lot of people would start, that's not where we start generally. We don't start with the everyday stuff. We start with making it really hard and working backwards. question about surgical menopause and whether or not this still applies for women that have found themselves in menopause because they've had a hysterectomy Mm. um, and they're feeling the effects well before they ever expected. Can we still use these same principles for these women? Yes, but we, they do need more help. Mm. If your body was thinking it was going to have hormones at 38 or 42 or 29, whatever that age was, and your body is expecting to operate with those hormones, I do I do feel strongly that bioidentical hormones for these women is so critical because we, we just stripped you of hormones that you were supposed to have that were supposed to be running like a fine-tuned machine in those years, and now you don't have them anymore. And so I, 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 every woman's a little bit different, and I, I, you know, I want us to be, I want us to be better here. I feel like we really fail women in this department. Most, most doctors, you know, they're surgeons. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, we did surgery on you. Good luck. And you know, we (laughs) (laughs) figure it out. And so I meet so many women who've had hysterectomies. Some were put on only estrogen. Some were put on, um, you know, just it's all over the place, like all the recommendations and all the things that women are given. Some are told there's nothing that they need to do at all. They're just sent on their way and good luck with however that happens for you. And, and that's just, all of it's just heartbreaking. Like I hear these stories every single day and I'm just devastated. And I, we, we, we've got to be better in educating our practitioners about how to support women after hysterectomies, whether they're partial or complete. Mm. You know, a lot of the, the mindset is that, oh, you had a partial, your ovaries are still doing their job, whatever. And we never actually looked at the whole, the whole puzzle. We're not even asking women why they're even getting a hysterectomy to begin with. Like what, what was the driver 
for the endometriosis or what was the driver for, you know, um, fibroids and stuff, fibroids or whatever, whatever it was like, shouldn't we understand why mm. and start working on what, what caused that to begin with? And so I, we just, I just feel like we just, we just fail women in so many directions there. But I think at the very least, looking at bioidentical hormones and and really being like big on dialing it in for women. It's not, you're not gonna get, we're not gonna, it's like thyroid hormones. We're not gonna get it right the first time. You gotta really keep looking at those labs, continuing to dial it in, listen to that patient, keep on make changing those recommendations until we get to that sweet spot. And then guess what? We are, we are constantly shifting and changing as women. That's the thing yeah. that makes us women. How <laughs> many phases we go through. And so what was working for you as a, as a, you know, if you had a hysterectomy at 35, at 40, you, we're going to need a revamp. Mm. You can't keep staying on that same, that same dosage. And so I think again, the, we need to be, we need to advocate for that fluidity in those changes in our bodies. And I, and I, I remember a woman reached out to me the other day and was like, you know, it's, it's real, it's real BS that we have to be such big advocates. Like why aren't doctors just knowing? And I was like, well, I, I, I really wanted to reframe. And I was like, you know, there's so much empowerment in knowing our bodies. There's so much empowerment in being in the conversation, sitting at the table with that practitioner. Yes, we deserve better. We do. But in the meantime, in between time, we really have an opportunity. There's so many great practitioners out there, so many great books out there, but we really do get to own this journey and we really do get to navigate the ship. And so, you know, I, I just wanted women to know that we can reframe this into we get to we get the power and we get to we get to listen and know what our bodies are telling us and then get to relay that and then find the right team to really help support us in this journey. I'm glad you said that because that's something we always say is that you need to find the person that resonates with you. You know, the one that's that you can speak to, that listens to you, that's got your interests at heart. And whoever that is, it, it's really difficult because sometimes it takes a few goes to find that person. But once you do feel like that person is on your team and isn't, <laughs> I like your analogy of the surgeon, because it's true. You know, there's there's that thing of, I've, I'm in charge, I've come, I've done this and then goodbye, you can deal with it. The, the conversations aren't there to yeah. support. I've done my job, now you do yours. Yeah. But then we're not taught mm -hmm. how to do ours. But I think you're right also, I really like the idea of why. We, we don't ask enough why, mm. we just... That's your favourite question, what I are you know, talking about? <laughs> I know, it is my, but why do I need to do this? Why do I have heavy bleeding? Why have I got night sweats? Like this comes from not just... Um, it comes from looking at symptoms, it comes from looking at lab reports, it comes from being able to actually try and make some changes and then see if that's enough. Like mm. there's a lot of trial and error here and I think the hard part also is women are often confused as to where to start with all yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah. Can we talk about essential oils and also how they may be beneficial for women transitioning through menopause? Absolutely. I just want to speak into that really quickly. G yes, our bodies, I'll be the first one to say it. Our bodies are beautifully complicated, beautifully complicated. And I'm not trying to complicate any of it. I don't, I don't want women to walk out of this conversation saying, oh my gosh, I have no idea where to start. Like that, all of it, well, you talked about insulin resistance and that can be connected to how estrogen is dominant. And then my liver is struggling. And what about my gut? You know, I, uh, 
I'm not trying to do all that today. My, my goal and my intention is that women walk out of here feeling like they have that first step, like feeling like they know how to take that first step in no matter where they are in that journey. Right. And oils are one of my favorite things, not necessarily always the first step, but I think a way to experience instant wins. That's another thing that I believe as I think we are already dealing with so much as it is. Our bodies are changing all the time. Most of us can't even keep up with what's going on. And so we deserve in, in the journey of it all, the continuum that is health, you know, whether you get your certificate or whenever you get your certificate or not, and you're moving forward um, at the end of the day, this journey, it don't stop. It's constant and it's about consistency. And it's also about wins. It's about wins because if you're telling me right now today that I got to slog through this journey that I've got to like do figure it out and it's complicated and it's messy and I don't know what's going on, then that doesn't sound like any fun and I don't want to do it. Where's my, where's my pizza? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where's that? Just give me that chocolate. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so I think women deserve instant wins. And the, one of the, my favorite kind of no calorie instant win is using oils. I think oils can really just light up your, um, light up your happiness. you like neurotransmitters. It can get you focused. It can get you alert. It can get you happy. Like that's what I love about oils. Oils will just give you that instant moment, that instant win. Um, and you can, you can get it. You can have it any time of the day. You can have any time of the day. And so that's a big part of why oils have been a, a big part of my conversation is that like, where can I get my win? And how, and how, what, what, when is it, if it's not chocolate or like <laughs> glass of red wine or something, something, you know what I'm saying? A little something, something. So I'm always like, what, what can sub out or swap out the win that we we've been using, like mm. whether it's food or whether it, you know, or it's an Instagram hit or whatever that may be. Like, how can we create a win that's healthy and it feels good and it has us attuning to that present moment. And so you can use oils for that hundred uh, percent across the day. Amazing. Right. I've got one more question. Mm -hmm. So a um, friend of mine's got a Myrena, uh, you know, the, the yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And is at an age where she is transitioning through perimenopause, heading, heading towards menopause. So because she doesn't get periods because of the Myrena, mm -hmm. what's going on in your body? Is your body not going through the menopausal steps because you've got the the synthetic hormone stopping ovulation or how does it work? Oh, no, you still ovulate with Marina, don't you? Don't you? Not, uh, not yeah. really. Sometimes. Oh, not really. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. I mean, I think maybe it can happen for some women when they're using that type of IUD that that could happen. But I more than not, I've, I have most women are not. Mm. Yeah, and so, and I know a lot of women are like, oh, that's, and yes, there's a lot of reasons why that could be technically a safer option for women. But, you know, I, it, it's in the camp of like any hormonal birth control mm. is, is definitely messing with things. Even the copper IUD is messing with things and there's no hormones in that at all. And so I just want to just speak into that. And I know women are always like, well, what do I do? And I'm just like, it's called condoms. It's <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's other methods too, but I, I was like, you want to guarantee, you want, you know, like, I was like, you, you know, there's other options. But people often, um, like, I'm thinking about this one person in particular, she hasn't got one for that reason. It's yes, no, bleeding. she doesn't have, usually bleeding. Doesn't have Yeah, yeah. Yes. So the, usually the easy kind of slap on solution to women in their forties when they're dealing with estrogen dominance, you know, where basically we just have more, that's the first sign of, of perimenopause is, is progesterone's beginning to drop. And that happens to a lot of women, even in their mid to late thirties, progesterone just starts to, to drop because progesterone is greatly affected by a lot of our external environmental factors, including a lot of stress. And so it's a stress protective hormone that gets beat down by stress. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's an interesting, interesting situation with the, progesterone. That is the coping yeah. mechanism, isn't yes, it? Yes, it right? is. They're right there, which is so frustrating. <laughs> it is. And so estrogen's still doing what she's doing. And so she's unopposed. And now we start to see heavy bleeding. We start to see night sweats. We start to see, um, we start to see fibroids starting to develop, um, weight resistance, brain fog, anxiousness, like all of it. Just And uh, so doctors are like, well, you know what? You, I, you could skip all the way through this. If we just give you some, some hormone, re- basically hormone replacement and a much more stronger dosage of hormone replacement is the pill. So a lot of women are put on the pill in their forties and then all of a sudden they're 53, 54, 55, 57. And they're like, I never went through menopause. Yeah. And I was like, huh? And I was, she's like, yeah, well, I've been on this pill since I was 44. And I was like, wait, what? Mm. And it, it can be very scary and very detrimental that much hormones getting cranked into us after, after we hit menopause. And so yes, your, your ovaries are still on the wind down. Mm. Yeah. Luteinizing hormone is still probing those, pushing those ovaries <laughs> to crank some eggs. And whether your ovaries are like, Hey, I'm just, I can't do that. I'm on this pill, you know? And so there are still, there is still biology. Push, pull so yes, on. women can be, they'll go straight through menopause, not even know it because they, they are getting these synthetic hormones. Um, and so yes, this happens, it happens a lot. And, you know, I guess, I mean, maybe women listening to this right now could be saying, well, that sounds great. Sign me up for <laughs> no, no, no roller coaster ride. But you have to understand that there are definitely, you know, detrimental side effects that, you know, that women can over that go through if they stay on hormonal birth control for too long. And so I, I, I'm not a proponent of it. I think that we can make a lot of other changes and feel pretty great moving through this without being on, on hormonal birth control. And then after we get out, you know, if we're too far into our fifties or into menopause, when we are cranking, we're pumping too many synthetic hormones into our bodies, there are definitely more detrimental impact. And we we're you know, we're still trying to figure out what that sweet spot is for women to be on hormones after menopause or throughout menopause. And then like, usually right now that we'd say, you know, a five to seven year window where there's a lot of benefit. There can be a lot of benefit with bioidentical hormones, but then after that, we start to see some shifts and changes that maybe aren't so protective. Mm, Yes. Well, I think the hard part is also that there's a, there is benefits to transitioning and allowing your hormones to transition throughout life. There's protective mechanisms to that, you know, um, also just from a perspective of cellular function and body function. And I think a lot of women that are using synthetic hormones have amplified symptoms in other areas. So I don't think it's escape. I don't think you get to escape essentially. <laughs> you trade one for yeah, another. Yeah, I think you trade one for another often. And I, I mean, look, also we're not here talking to the women that are fist pumping the air, living their best life, transitioning through menopause with their marina. Like that's not 
really the people that are probably <laughs> dialing into this episode. But are, it's all but the are other they people. anyway? <laughs> well, it's all the other people and this is the other, this is, you know, I don't see the patients either that are fist pumping there, living their best life, going I love my life with the pill. I see the other side of that going get me off, this is yeah, killing that's, me that's slowly right. and I don't like the symptoms and I don't like how I feel. So it's all about how do you feel as well and also like Maritza said, you know, feeling good along the way. And a lot of women, when they transition off synthetic hormones, will actually say, I didn't know I could feel like this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this is how I felt. I didn't even know what it felt like to be me. But how can you know if you've been on something for a really long time? Um, and I just don't know that there's enough monitor- monitoring with a lot of these things or who even would do that. That's the other thing. No, I mean, there clearly isn't a monitoring. If you've got a woman who's 57 years old and still on it and has no idea what is going on, like literally they're her body and things just passed her by. Mm. You know, it breaks my heart every time a woman's like, I don't even know if I went through menopause. And then they tell me how old they are. And I was like, no, somewhere in there (laughs) you did. Just with with you being on these horm these hormones, which are now you know they've probably have had they're coming to me because they have symptoms, you know that no one's ever coming to me because they're feeling phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so there's definitely a lot of things going on, and a lot of the biggest complaints aren't like I said aren't the decline in progesterone and estrogen. These are other issues that the decline in progesterone and estrogen are just putting a spotlight on. They're just amplifying. And, you know, I, you, we, you know, ins, metabolic um, dysfunction, insulin resistance, you know, maybe a low thyroid function, definitely way, a wayward um, stress response system. These are not having just an effect on our, our, our reproductive system. We're talking about on, on, on cellular function as, as, um, as, as Nat mentioned, we're talking about your ability for your body to work. Those, those are what we're talking about when it comes to those hormones. And I think that's a lot of what women are really feeling Mm. is like my brain stopped working for me. I have no energy anymore. All of a sudden I I have these crazy emotional swings due to these, you know, these sugar swings or these food swings and my gut hurts and, and I've, I'm, and I'm just, I'm just drained, Mm. you know, those that's, that is a cellular concern. That is a mitochondrial concern, a metabolic concern, and that will define overall longevity in one direction or not. And it's so easy to blame our reproductive hormones, blame menopause for it. And in the medical system, just it's menopause, like, and, but I, we're, we're just not really serving women we know we're not meeting them where they're at. And that's where I think we fail. And then we're just like, here's, here's some hormone replacement and hormone replacement ain't going to fix your insulin resistance. It's not going to fix your exhaustion. It's not going to fix your brain fog. You know, these are the most debilitating. It's definitely not going to fix your weight resistance. Mm -hmm. These are the top five symptoms we've surveyed. I've surveyed 50,000 women. And those are the top five things that come up. And I'll tell you what, cranking a bunch of estrogen into me ain't going to fix any of those problems. Mm, the weight resistance thing is really quite strange like because mm. it creeps up on you. I tried on my wedding mm-hmm. dress the other day, oh. which was from 2008. Couldn't do it up. And I was like, I don't feel like I've put on that much weight. But over that time, I've had two babies and I've kept, you know, yeah, the weight on. Changes, and, yeah, my like body's changed. Yeah, oh, I know. They ruin the whole like even scheme of things, don't they? It can still be they? the same kind of shape and weight, but it's still like I, things yeah. change. Yeah. It's true. I, I'm back to my pre-baby weight. Yeah. Um, it, I was uh, I, in six less than six months, but my body's different. Yeah. yeah. 
It's completely just different. different, You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But my big focus, like as a woman in her forties, um, my big, big focus right now is dialing my circadian rhythms, making sure my mitochondria are happy and managing my metabolism. Mm. Those are my focuses. And I will tell you like my, I mean, and the sleep, I got to get that sleep dialed. Yeah. But I feel like my postpartum outside of the sleep piece has been a breeze and, and on, and some would say, well, it better have been, you're a women's hormone doctor and others would say, how dare you? But I, 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 I used all the tools that I had in my toolbox to get my body to like get my, I wanted energy for my son. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted to be happy and cheerful for my son. I, there, there was a ways I wanted to show up as a mama and a woman heading into perimenopause. And so I was like, okay, these are the things I know move the needle. This is what I know my body's about to go through. These are the pivots that I'm going to make. And it doesn't feel like sacrifices to me. I think we have to reframe. There are some things that women would say I've given up that are like, oh, that's a sacrifice. But for me, it was just, I would, I just call it a trade. Like I traded this for this. And, um, and my, I've been so grateful because I would say that my body, my metabolism, my, my, disposition, my mood, energy, six months postpartum is significantly better than I was feeling at 35. Mm, Yeah. And it is possible. I love that. Um, Maritza, your book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution, you've got a 21 day program that our listeners, if they're stuck of what to do next, they can definitely go and check that out. Um, I'm sure they can get it in bookstores, but also drmaritza.com if I'm correct. And that will be in our show notes anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. This has been a topic we've wanted to cover for a while. Um, Cecilia keeps saying, we need someone to talk about menopause. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's it's a lot less scary when you think about, okay, well, these are the symptoms I need to look out for. And yeah, you know. Yeah, well, and that we, if we know the road ahead, we can make changes and pivots. Yeah. Like we get to own it. That's, I think that's the big message I, I really want anyone and everyone to walk away from is you get to define it. You get to decide what it looks like for you. You get to decide how it looks like this proverbial dark cloud or this proverbial, like the, the, you know, the, the, the proverbial cliff that you're about to fall off. None of that exists. It is, I, it can be full on smooth sailing for you if that's what you choose. And that is, I don't know about you, that is what I am choosing into. I want that life. I want, I, I look at my mama in her little Daisy Dukes and her, her, her just gorgeous skin and her beautiful hair. And I'm just like, sign me up for that. I want yeah. that yeah. right there. And, um, and hope, and hopefully I'll keep all doing all the things that move me right in that direction. And to think that she made that shift in like a year. So like, if you're 48 or 49, you're listening to this right now and you're like, it's over for me. Ah, like I've seen the turnaround. I've seen the major like reset. I've seen it in, in your fifties. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yep. Well, it's a few things to do. I'm actually sitting here going, what do I need to eat? What, hang on. What do I, hang on, more exercise? Yeah. Oh, all the all things. things. All the things. It's all, all the things. In, I promise it's all in the book. I know we didn't get into exactly <laughs> what to eat, but. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I think just the idea of thinking about what you're putting in your mouth is uh, mm-hmm. on a daily basis. I, I do mm-hmm. find that having children, I spend way more time thinking about what they're eating and their nutritional balance than I do of my own. I get to the end oh. of the day and I think. Do they eat different to you? Uh, I make my children just eat what? 
No, no, but like, you know, you pack their lunch. I don't oh, pack a lunch yes. for, oh, yeah, for myself. No. Oh, they yeah, they go right, to school with a packed lunch and yes. I think about what goes into that. Yeah. And then they come home and they have afternoon tea and yeah. I don't have afternoon tea. So, right. you know, their eating habits are different sure. to mine. So. Sure, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. And they probably need more energy. Mm. Let's face it. Mm. <laughs> we all need energy. Yes. We all need energy. Who doesn't? Who ain't trying to get some more of that? Great to meet you, Dr. Maritza. Have a lovely day. I will let you go, love. Um, so nice to see you. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye. It's always good to be have the information before we need it so that we can start to do these things now. So when it's time for us to transition, we can just live our best life. What are you talking about? We're already in step one. Oh, no, that's I'm fine. on the way to step two. Well, I think. <laughs> it's good, though. How good oh. is it to have a framework? Yes, of course. Okay, this makes sense. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So it's good. Yep. That's good. I think the brain fog is the thing that gets me the most. I I think I've mentioned to you before that uh, my girl sometimes goes, what were you going to say? Why do you never complete a sentence? I'm like, I don't know. But now I know. Um, We would love to hear from you. We would love you to review the podcast. And we don't have any new reviews to read out this this episode, but we would love more reviews to read out in future episodes. So Mm -hmm. please go ahead. And, and uh, not just leave a review whilst you're there. Just click five stars and a rating. We like that. We do like that. Mm-hmm. Five stars helps everybody of work course. out things are good. And if the there's hood. anyone you'd like us to feature or um, to, or a topic that you'd like us to cover, you can always li- message us on uh, yeah. the Wellness Collective podcast on Instagram. Please too. do. We mm-hmm. like communicating with you that way. We do. We but, really do. Um, okay, I feel like I've got a few uh, few little things to put in my kit bag after today. Although we did, I feel like we didn't get into the actual stuff of what you need to do, just that there are things to do. So we need to look into her book. <laughs> I, well, I do find that fascinating because yeah. I would beg to differ. We've talked about stress. Yeah. We've talked about sleep. So you don't need to go and you need to work out how to prioritise sleep, but I don't think you need instructions on how to do that. It's like well, I need eight hours sleep, so how am I going to make that happen? Yes. Um. I think from a nutrition perspective, I think most of us have some general idea. It's it's actually, I find it fascinating as a practitioner, people want it mapped out for them, but then they don't follow that mapped out because it's not <laughs> actually for an individual person. It's for people in general. So yeah. I feel like you could dial your nutrition in, you know, that just means whole foods really at the end yeah, of the day, right? Yeah. You can prioritise your sleep. Um, don't and drink too much wine. Don't drink too much wine and start there and see where that takes you. Do you know what, actually? We bought a dehumidifier for our house mm-hmm. because we've had some moisture issues. Mm-hmm. Moisture. Good word, mm-hmm. moisture. Sounds like Kath and Kim. <laughs> we had some moisture issues. Mm-hmm. And um, that's all well and good. Moisture issues are gone. But then I had to convince my hubby to turn it off more because I'm like, I feel like I'm dehydrating oh, myself. Wow. And I had two glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, one night last week mm-hmm. and I woke up the next morning, you, like, you know, with that, yeah, <laughs> that mouth dryness where you're like, ah, uh, and I thought, no, okay. Bottom I of the birdcage. Need to get off the, I wasn't, I didn't drink too much. No, I no. Like, I just yeah. dehydrated. Yes. And I thought, it's this damn machine. It's turning us into sultanas. <laughs> machine out. Oh, that's so funny. You know what though? I think yeah. it's actually just about being observant about what's actually going on and yes. taking that time to look Definitely. and go, I think this might be the cause of this. Definitely. But you're right. Sleep is amazing if you can get it. Nutrition yep. will make you feel good. Start with sleep and movement. I think yes. they're the two things you could probably start with and then we can go from there. Okay, good. Thank you, Dr. Nash. Oh, you're welcome. Yep. Well, right. Until next time. We hope this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier and better. 